Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 15% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP3. This episode is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Automatic, continual, and unlimited backup for your computer files for only $59 a year. Try it free at Carbonite.com and use the offer code TWIP and get two bonus months when you purchase. This week on TWIP, Nokia throws down the 41 megapixel gauntlet, 500 picks and Flickr get makeovers, and Arizona wants to legislate Photoshop images. It's Wednesday, February 29th, 2012, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about Nokia throwing down the 41 pixel megapixel gauntlet. 500 picks and Flickr are getting makeovers. And in Arizona, they are turning their attention to Photoshopped images for legislation and political correctness and that sort of thing. So to tackle these topics and more on the show, uh, joining me are Miss Sarah France, Derek Story, and Mr. Ron Brinkman. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome. So, Sarah, what uh, what have you been up to? I know you've been at WPPI spreading the, spreading the wedding photography and portrait photography word, but uh, what other exciting things have you been into? Isn't that enough? You kind of go into a vortex of like a week of complete blindness in WPPI because you're just like there and 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 in it so it was awesome um wppi was great and we're just getting back and trying to get back into the swing of things after after wppi so um exciting times what were the quickly what were the the biggest takeaways from this year's wppi for you oh wow um well, as usual, I didn't get to attend many classes. So just because I do a lot of speaking, I'm always going, going, going. But yeah. um, I think it's it was interesting to me that about 50%, it seemed like, of the attendees there were new. Mm-hmm. And, and that was um, – it was really interesting that there were so many new photographers still. I feel like it's like that every year. But every year, there's still like more – new photographers. Um, so I don't think that's slowing down anytime soon. And the amount of vendors is not slowing down anytime soon either. So that was, that was probably the one thing that I was kind of, uh, taken back by. Very cool. All right. We'll have to talk about that more later. Yeah. And also we heard the voice of Mr. Derek's story there. Hey Derek, what's going on in your world? Uh, well, I just came back from WPPI too, and uh, then I came right into the next day uh, doing an off-camera flash workshop here. So it was oh, cool. This is uh, this is one of your digital story workshops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, bada bing, bada bing, wow. bada boom. Cool. Yeah. And you came back from WPPI sick, so you infected all the people in your workshop. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm hoping not. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I had one guy write me today. So 
really sorry about your cold. I better not get it. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what you were doing at the workshop. Well. Yeah, it's not really that kind of workshop. So I think we're all right. Very we're all cool. right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Derek. And also, uh, Mr. Ron Brinkman is here. Hey, Ron. Hello. What is happening down there in uh, Hermosa Beach? Uh, what have I been doing? I've been staring at the hard drive that contains all of my raw photos from Egypt and studiously avoiding actually going through them. You haven't mastered the, <laughs> the post-processing by thought yet? <laughs> yeah. That, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I figure you just leave them on there long enough, and uh, at, least, at least you'll come out with them with a fresh eye. So there is an upside to it. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah, yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, no, that and uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually working on an iPhone app, but I can't talk about it yet. You can't talk about it at all? Come yeah. on. Uh, it is somewhat photography-related, and actually I would love to hear from any listeners who have iPhone apps in the store. That's all I'll say for now. All right, cool. There you go. All right, well, before we move on, I want to give a nod to our sponsor, or one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. And as we've been saying on the show, Squarespace is awesome for those folks that just want a hands-off experience. They don't want to worry about FTP or CSS or any of those other those other acronyms that you would rather not deal with and rather have things just take care of themselves. We've got hundreds of design templates to choose from. You can customize those templates. So you can pick one that fits your needs the best and then tweak it to fit you even better. And then they are optimized for both iPhone and iPad, or they have iPhone and iPad applications, actually, so that you can be anywhere updating and checking in on your blog and moderating comments and doing all that cool stuff. And one of the coolest things about the service, I think, is that they give you personal help 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you're in the middle of the night when most people are working on their websites, you can get on the horn and contact them, send a note over to them and get immediate response from them. So definitely check them out. They've got a uh, free trial available. Just head over to squarespace.com. You can sign up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. You can just try it out, bang on it, build a website. And if you decide that you'd like to keep that website, you can just use the offer code TWIP3, TWIP and the number three, and get 15% off your new account for six months. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP3. Okay, so the first story that I want to dive into is about Nokia. Like I said in the quick intro there, Nokia threw down the gauntlet this week by introducing a 41-megapixel camera phone. woo <laughs> So, I mean, I think it's awesome. This is in the Nokia 808 PureView model. And uh, so there, we got some specs in the show notes to look through. But before we get into that, I mean, I just want to, like, let's go up 30,000 feet and look back down. So Nokia has been under duress. They were once the king of the cell phone and smartphone world. <clears throat> with their cameras and you know the Symbian operating system and all that magic, and then along came Apple and stole their lunch away. So now it looks like they're coming back swinging, but they're coming back swinging in a in an interesting direction with with a camera phone that is that surpasses what we were even talking about last week or the week before in the the Nikon. Uh, D7, D800, actually. So what do you guys think about this? Ron, I want to throw it to you first. So you're you're the world, the globe tra- traveler, and this is the kind of thing that I can see. Like, when I saw this, I was like, Ron Brinkman would look at this and say, hey, I can carry one less piece of gear in my bag when I go to, you know, the pyramids or something. So is this <laughs> does this appeal to you at all? 
Yeah, you know, it, it does in some ways. I mean, it's funny because it's an interesting piece of technology on on a, attached to a, a piece of technology I'd never buy, i.e., the phone. <laughs> but um, I think it is it is groundbreaking in a lot of ways. I mean, my first reaction when I just saw the article was 41 megapixels. This is pure specsmanship. You know, they just crammed a bunch of crappy pixels in a crappy camera, and uh, it's all marketing BS. But if you look at it, if you really start reading about what they're doing, it's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, They're doing some very smart stuff in there. I don't know how detailed we want to get into it. Basically, they're using pixel binning, which is sort of taking a lot of adjacent pixels. Uh, and grouping them together to get a final image out of it. So it tends, you know, by default, it's not going to be outputting a 41 megapixel image. It's going to be outputting uh, about 5 or 8 megapixels, depending on what you've got it set to. I think it has, like, a few different settings. So it's capturing 41 megapixels and squeezing those 41 megapixels down into 8. Yeah, but in a smart way, you know, not just just sort of averaging them together. It sounds like it's doing a smart job of sort of figuring out how to use that data to do... You know, more more intelligent noise reduction, um, and and so it's very interesting from that perspective. And I've I've looked at some of the the stuff coming off of it, uh, some of the images. You know, very early test stuff, obviously, and it looks good. And, and the thing to keep in mind is the size of that sensor on there is not small. It's actually a bigger sensor than you find in most point and shoots. I mean, it's mm-hmm. bigger than the sensor in in the, uh, the Canon G12, for instance. Yeah, yeah, it's approaching the size of a Micro Four Thirds, right? Uh, it's, I don't know if it's quite that, but it, it, it's getting there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. compared to most of what you, most of the stuff you see on these point and shoots. Yeah. So, so Sarah, looking looking at this camera and looking at the images that this camera produced, and I always like to talk to you about this. I throw these things at you um, because you're the working wedding photographer pro in the crowd, and I always want to know, like, as we move forward and technology progresses, and like we're seeing a 41 megapixel camera phone with this type of technology ever in a million years, find its way into your camera bag on the on a wedding day? Um, oh, I can't ever say in a million years, no, but <laughs> really, I think that, I think for me, this is, is really interesting, but at the same time, I think if anything, it's just going to be all of the guests at the wedding are going to be using something like this, mm. so it's good to know kind of what they have available to them, um, but for me, control is what the camera is all about and um the quality of the image is is really important as well but if i can't have the ultimate control over the camera that i want and in having the different lenses and the shallow depth field and all the things that i'm looking for in a pro cam then this is really nothing that i'm that interested in however I will say it's it's a pretty interesting camera for a camera phone. I mean, that's just incredible. And what I really hope it does is I really hope that it piques the interest of the people at Apple and they try to continually improve what um, cameras that they're providing on their phones because yeah. what ultimately is the most important thing to me is the phone and the camera really is kind of a secondary feature that I find really nice to have, but if I really want a nice camera, I'll usually pick up a point-and-shoot. I'm not going to go grab a second phone for for a camera. So that's kind of my take on it, although I, I find that all of this technology just continues to push the competition forward, which is what makes me really excited about it more than anything. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, now, Derek, I want to put a different spin on this uh, when I 
to you. So when you look at this, when you look at Nokia and their positioning, like I was saying in the beginning, their positioning initially was they were, they pretty much dominated the cell phone space and now they're the also ran, you know, behind uh, Google and Apple and, you know, other folks. Is by them introducing a 41 megapixel camera phone or a camera on a phone, is this kind of like, I don't know, like, like Ford introducing a line of motorcycles you know i don't know I mean, what, what what do you make of that uh well i wouldn't say it's that but i do think it's interesting and uh i i think they've been working on this technology for quite a while so I, i'm glad that it's out but uh, i you know the thing that makes the iphone work in a lot of ways is not just the device itself if you if you look at the Samsung devices and a lot of the other devices, they're very nice also in addition to, uh, you know, when you compare them to the iPhone. Yeah. So it's really the ecosystem that, that that Apple's developed around the iPhone. And really, you know, I remember this, this thing I saw at a Steve Jobs keynote way long time ago about the digital hub and, uh, you know, how they had this initial vision how all these devices would, you know, center around your Mac. And, yeah. of course, now it's going to center around the cloud. But I, I think it's the ecosystem that, that really – one of the things that makes Apple so powerful. I don't think Nokia is going to be able to, to overcome that part of it. But I do think, like Sarah said, that they and, and other folks can continue to push um, all of the manufacturers into continuing you know, improving their product and, and you know, not resting on their laurels. Yeah, no, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean I think you hit on a, the key point there is like you could, you could make – the the most incredible hardware in the world but if you don't have that ecosystem around it which is what presumably apple and and uh google have done with android then you know you're i mean are we going to see a nokia marketplace for apps for this thing you know that kind of thing i don't know ron do you think that that would save it if they or would that not save it would that make it successful if they put a marketplace around i mean i honestly think and by all, the, all indications, like Derek said, they've been working on this for a long time. And it, in some ways, it's almost, you know, it's a piece of technology that's kind of been passed by in, in terms of the phone part of it. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I suspect they've been integrating this thing and doing a lot of the work on it for four or five years. So obviously, the, the landscape has changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But having said that, what they've got is a very interesting camera. It, it makes you wonder, you know, what would it take for them to just take the phone out of it and produce a very compact point and shoot you know can you imagine a point and shoot that's now a third of the size of the smallest uh, canon point and shoot or something you know really really tiny at this point with still excellent quality or you know a back that would go on to an iphone or something like that i mean what they've done is and the thing i really like about it is they they clearly understand what it means to you know what's what's the advantages of this type of a sensor for video as well as for stills uh, there's a lot of processing in there that lets them get the data off of this 41 megapixel sensor in a smart and quick fashion. And yeah, I don't, you know, it could very well be this is a turning point for Nokia products they're producing. It wouldn't, you know, if, you, if they just took that camera right now and made a small, I don't know what the price point would have to be, but a very small point and shoot that had most of the guts of the phone without having any of the radio transmission stuff. Um, it'd be an interesting little thing to have, you know, in some ways as interesting in, in a different direction as what something like Lytro is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, and, and there's things you can do with this binning technology that they haven't even done yet. I mean, it, there's sort of a natural piece of it is that, you know, you can 
potentially do something with the sensors so that you could, you know, capture more of a high dynamic capability if you had addressability over these different pixels. So I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see where this is going to go. It could be a very different direction for the company as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So I'll put it, Derek and, and, uh, and Sarah, do you think you think it's time for Nokia to just sort of retool and reinvent and throw their hat in the ring against the likes of Canon and Sony and Nikon? Well, you mean in terms of uh, yeah, retooling should, the, the phone space? Yeah, or just or throw their or hat in and say, space. hey, we're, we are now a camera manufacturer as well, whether they start with point-and-shoots and move up the ladder to more professional cameras or what, just to move away from Nokia, we make cell phones, and, or Nokia, remember their slogan was connecting people, to well, Nokia uh, photographing people. <laughs> But they still sell a lot of phones. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. They still sell a lot of phones. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I and I and I think they should definitely continue to you know to mine that. And uh, you know they're they're in the middle of uh, switching OS and doing all sorts of good things. So I think that will continue. Uh, I think it's a a fascinating idea that Ron puts forth, though, and it could be a hobby, sort of like Apple TV is a hobby, mm-hmm. uh, where you know <laughs> they they might want to test the water, and I I think that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Sarah? What do you think about that? Yeah, I do. I do too. I mean, they've they've already got a Zeiss lens in in this. I mean, they're obviously doing their homework and and know what to look for and what they be doing in a, in building a camera so and they already have i mean really so why not take the phone off of this thing and and make it a point and shoot i mean it's just going to increase their it increase their possibilities of of hitting something that they didn't really expect so especially if they've been working on this for 3 or 4 years i mean really you can strip it down a little bit and turn it into a point and shoot and have a new market yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it also kind of goes back to a, a little wager that we had, Frederick, about uh, whether uh, small sensor, crop sensor cameras are going to go away. And I almost got out of the story without you bringing that up. Almost. <laughs> and just to remind you of that wager. That was like how many years ago? That was at least two years ago we made that wager. Right. Uh, it, it was a long-term bet, right? Yes, so, yeah, and I stick by it. I stick by and, it. And someday you'll be right, but it's not looking like it so far. Uh <laughs> But point being, you know, what's another thing that's interesting about this is that they claim that the tolerances on the lens that they've produced for, you know, to stick in front of the sensor has, you know, tolerances that are, I think I saw a number like 10 times uh, more precise than what you get on your average Canon lens, for instance. Hmm. And I can believe that because, you know, you're, when you're dealing with a much smaller lens, you can do things in terms of quality control and, and machining that is just much harder to do with big glass. Um, so, again, there's that kind of trade off between. You know, you, big, big sensor, big glass, but versus something smaller where certain components can be cheaper and potentially more precise. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> All right. The, uh, the next story that I want to talk about is the uh, two sites. So 500px or 500px.com and also Flickr have, uh, well, 500px rolled out a new look, a new makeover, and a new uh, marketplace, and Flickr is rumored to, and well, it's not rumored, we've They've had an interview with uh, with a product manager, but they're doing a, a new makeover as well that look very similar. So it looks like they're moving in terms of the look and feel of the layout of what the sites are going to look like and how they're going to present images. It looks very much like 
like a mosaic kind of thing with all your images sort of placed in a grid, but, you know, verticals and horizontals all sort of working together in a mosaic. So Derek's story, um, I want to throw it to you first from that standpoint of, is this the way that, that photo sites are going? Because I know Google, with Google Plus, is sort of moving that direction as well. Is that is that the look? Is that what we have to look forward to in terms of the next generation of these photo sites? Uh, it's a pretty good look. Uh, the uh, Flickr version of it is called uh, Justified, mm-hmm. and uh, you actually have it right now in one area. If you go to your contacts area in Flickr and you click on that, now you have a, a choice of, I think it defaults to Justified now. And you can uh, actually take a look, uh, as we would say, Frederick, you can take a look at the future right now. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's right there. And uh, it's nice. I mean, it, it's a good look. It, it uses the space well. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the everyone's feeling the the pressure from Google Plus, and sort of like our Nokia story, and and everyone is uh, sort of responding here. And uh, I'm not a, I don't use 500 picks, but uh, I I do love Flickr, and I'm I'm glad to see them uh, get on the pony here. Yeah. So so, you know, in terms of them getting on the pony, is it is our I don't know. We we even did an article on thisweekinphoto.com about you know alternatives to Flickr because it was just scary. It just looks like you know is Flickr going to go away? They haven't innovated in forever. Are they going to innovate? So what are what are we thinking? Like Ron, do you think that Flickr is going to be around? And and is this a shot across the bow, sort of saying, hey, we're Boy. not going away. We're here to stay. I'm sure they'd like to think that. Um, you know, it's. <laughs> I hate to be negative on, on Flickr. Not I you, Ron. Story. You're never uh, negative. You know, <laughs> not me. What am I, curmudgeon? Um, I, you know, I think it's great that they're doing it. I, it feels like if they were a smaller, more nimble company like 500px, this would be something that they would be doing every month as opposed to once every two years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is nice to see that they're doing something, though. I mean, I, I think that's encouraging. At least we don't, you know. At least we know that they haven't completely laid off the entire Flickr staff, and they're just running it in maintenance mode. Yeah, I mean so, it's good that we're finally reporting some good news from Flickr. Normally, it's hey, they laid off people, or they just cut their entire support staff, or this or that, or you know, the CEO yeah. said something crazy or whatever. But you know, this this is positive, and this I think this is a uh, an indicator that they're not going away anytime soon because i know a couple several months ago there was a rumor that hey are they going to shutter Flickr completely you know that sort yeah. of thing so yeah I mean, you know, good news. I mean, i'm glad to see it i hope that i you know i still have a Flickr, a pro account at Flickr. i just paid my whatever it is 30 bucks for another year of that even though i was like oh man is this really you know something i want to be and, I, and at mm-hmm. some point here i know that i need to get in there and and sort of transfer all of my stuff out of Flickr into somewhere else but you know it's not something that you really want to do when you don't have spare time right right so i you know i don't know it's i guess i will keep paying the ransom to have my photos uh, accessible <laughs> call, is that what they're calling subscription fees these it, days <laughs> it does feel like it though doesn't it i mean th- yeah. their their way of doing it is i suppose clever and smart and maybe evil genius but you know cuz what they do is your older photos suddenly go into purgatory if you don't pay your bill and so they're still on there, but you can't get to them. Mm. And then you're like, all right, fine, I'll pay the 30 bucks because I need to point somebody to this you know, set of photos or something. And then it comes back out of limbo. 
So you you pay the bill and you you have full access to your entire memory. If you don't pay it, then it's sort of like the early onset of Alzheimer's or something. You just start exactly. forgetting things that happened a long time ago. And, I mean, Derek, I know you use Flickr, right? And, and oh, I do. Just, yes. And, and do you, I mean, you for you is is that thirty bucks just like a no brainer easy, or is it still a little bit like yeah, do I really want to be paying it kind of thing? Well, it, for me, it's no brainer easy. Uh, you know, it all depends on how deep you get into these things. I have a Flickr public group for the digital story, and it's sort of connected to what's going on with uh, the Facebook fan page. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of things here. So for me, it, it, it's a great place, and that doesn't mean I don't like Google Plus and all the other stuff. But for me, it's, it's still quite worth it. And there's a lot of good imagery coming on the site every day. So. Yeah. It's, it's it's far from dead, and and I think if if they get with the program here, and and, and like you said, they're they're a big just turning a big boat around, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yahoo group there, but uh, but I I still think that uh, that it can be viable. Yeah, yeah, you know, and this week in photo has a, a Flickr group as well, and it's got right now I'm looking at it, it's got just under twelve thousand members with. 178,463 photos in it. So, you right. know, moving that someplace is not is not something I'm looking forward to. So, yeah. Now, Sarah, when when I look at your work, I mean, I know you're not you're not on Flickr all the time. You probably have a Flickr account, but you're it's not part of your sort of daily marketing flow, right? I mean, does does a change like this affect you at all? Do you care? Um, in short, no. I mean, I think that I, because I don't really use Flickr, it's not really, um, an area that I'm concerned about. I mean, it's awesome. I think I love to see sites innovating and making changes and more so on the visual side. Like I find it really interesting to see what they're changing to because that's obviously a reflection of what consumers are wanting, how they're wanting to consume their images, like how they're wanting to see things. And it gives you a lot of ideas about what your site maybe needs to look like or what changes you should be doing to your own website to mm-hmm. keep people interested and, and not look dated on your own on your own site. So I think no matter what, it, it's good education for us to, to understand and know what's going on in the industry and especially in the places where people are frequenting to see images and and take those images in so if for anything i think it's great for that but also i think for 500 pics px.com um i was kind of tooling around in there a little bit and just in the marketplace and Mm -hmm. they have some fantastic images um for one but also are giving you the option to buy canvases there and and purchase things. So I think that's that's kind of the fascinating area of, of people basically finding a place to take their images and, and hopefully sell them to consumers to have, you know, in their homes and yeah. and really turning photography not just into an online consumable but also back, you know, into a physical product that people can purchase and and enjoy in their in their homes. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a great segue because I wanted to talk about that. The other the other piece of that story at least on the 500 pick side is that they introduced that marketplace where you can uh 
they allow customers to buy HD digital downloads, whatever HD means, um, for three bucks, or like Sarah was saying, large canvas canvases and all this sort of stuff. And uh, photographers can opt into this program to start generating revenue from the site. So I want to throw it to this quorum here. You know, is is are we finally moving into the area where it's time to start? getting photos off of the computer and off of the cloud and back on the wall, you know, are we moving back into that now? Derek, what do you think? Well, uh, for me, that's a softball question because I I love printing and I love putting things on the wall or, or making people hold them or whatever. So, uh, you know, anything that it takes to, to, to do that and to, you know, revisit the physical side in addition to this you know none of this is instead of right it's in addition to whatever we do online and on our ipads and all that stuff which is also great fun uh but i i love some of these things that that flickers uh, i mean that 500 pics is doing i love what blurb has done uh, you know a lot of these folks have have really brought the physical part of photography you know into the modern age and yeah. i think it's cool especially if it's affordable yeah now, Sarah, just to throw back to you on the on the wedding side. So, the new layout of these pages at 500 Pix and Flickr, you know, going for this whole sort of interlocking grid layout, is this something? If this becomes like a trend that's going to happen moving forward, and how these sites standardize on showing images online, would this be something that you'd incorporate into your business for showing galleries to your clients and that sort of thing? Um, I think I think more so I'm thinking about how they're going to want to see the images on my website, like taking in my my portfolio images as mm. opposed to the and as opposed to like seeing their own wedding images. I think the the issue with some of this grid um, layout is that it's often cropping images in a strange way. You know, you're taking like you're taking a horizontal image and making it a square and and you're using the rule of thirds on the image and so you've just lost the subject <laughs> in the cropping. So right, right. it's I mean <clears throat> it's interesting and it makes you want to look into the image more like cuz you're only seeing part of it so you want to see the whole thing. So I think that's kind of fascinating um that people are are enjoying images that way. So I notice it more I think for portfolio type a look and feel more so than how they're taking wanting to take in the majority of their images. It still seems like they're wanting to take those in kind of more in a clean overall um, wide. I don't want to say widescreen, but like full screen view Mm -hmm. as opposed to um, as opposed to like small thumbnails for sure. They're wanting the images bigger and this just shows that as well. You click on an image, you get a big image to look at. So I think those are the things I'm observing the most about the layout, how clean and simple it is, how visually interesting it is, um, how how the lines are, and, and just how fascinating the layout is to, to the eye, you know? Yeah, it kind of draws you in. It makes you want to scroll down and see more. So Yeah. 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 Cool. All right, guys, before we move on to the next story, I want to uh, take a moment to remind the listeners about our Facebook and Google Plus pages. And if you have been participating in the TWIP forums, you probably got the message that uh, we sent out saying that we are shutting the forums down. So by the time you listen to this, the forums have been shut down already. And we're moving the conversation from the forums over to Google Plus and Facebook. So um, you can look at any one of the pages on thisweekinphoto.com and you'll find all of our social media links there. But uh, please interact with us on our Facebook 
and Google Plus pages, and that we will we're able to be a little bit more active over there. And on Facebook, it's just Facebook.com/slash This Week in Photography, or you can just search for TWIP T W I P on Google Plus. Hey, you know, Frederick, it's interesting. You know, I was thinking while you brought that up. Have, have we talked about the timeline at all? You know, when we're talking about these new looks. No, on, no. On Facebook. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Because, because I'm just wondering what what folks think about it. I part of me is sort of dreading it, and I haven't quite uh, visually parsed it out yet. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of curious what the, what Sarah and Ron think about it. You're not curious what I think about it, Derek? Oh, and, and <laughs> Forget the, you, Frederick. Forget. Man, what am I, shop livery here? Come on, I'm a uh, kickstand actually, now? <laughs> actually, Frederick, I'd like to start with you. <laughs> oh, I'm just oh, as, that was just a I'm pity just thing. As, I'm sure. just as curious as you are about it, Derek. So, yeah, you're right. Let's, yeah. do, it, let's do it to the youngsters in the crowd. <laughs> no, please. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Sarah, you, you have the con. Which one? <laughs> what do you think about the timeline view? Um, I switched pretty quickly, so uh, I really like it. I mean, I think the two um, two lanes, if you will, like two <laughs> columns, gets a little confusing sometimes. Like in the layout, I'm kind of not sure what I want to look at, but I have ADD just like everyone my age. So um, I think being able to jump back and forth and look at different things just keeps you interested. So. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy the new layout, and I think it takes a little getting used to, obviously, just like any change does. But I think it's I think it's fantastic. I would absolutely switch to it if you haven't already, just for the simple fact of it being new. You know, it's yeah. like again, we're talking about how people get kind of stagnant in in what they're seeing, and when some you know they come out with something new, we're like, ooh, they're innovating, something's changing, like. And people are thinking the same thing about you. And um, maybe if you haven't switched, they're like, why is he holding on to the old old layout? <laughs> Embrace the future. I'm feeling like you're looking at me, Sarah, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I haven't checked your Facebook. I was just about to go there and see if I was talking about you. No, I switched my – I was in the beta. So I switched over oh. early, I'll have you know. <laughs> I don't think I've switched. I have I switched? I have – I haven't switched yet. I, I think that's interesting, though, because it sort of fits in a lot with you know some of these other layouts that we're talking about, where you do have, as you go down the page, you have a lot going on horizontally, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and that does seem to be the style right now. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think you know, bigger, bigger displays are you know, already here and coming more often, so it's easy to pack more stuff into them. And I, I think it is kind of a, I think it sort of underscores the fact that. You know, Facebook is already kind of choosing what it serves up to you anyway. So it's not like you're really getting a, a, a real feed of what's happening. I mean, there, I think I just I just saw some, saw some stat that something like 16% of your posts actually get to all your friends or something like that because, you know, Facebook's making these determinations about who sees what. So I think this is just sort of more of that where they can just kind of put a lot of stuff on the page and hopefully a lot more photos, which should be interesting to all of us which are probably what really grab people anyway. I suspect that's probably what they're getting is trying to balance putting pictures up versus a lot of text and getting more photos on the page. Cause be, I'm sure that the engagement on photos is much higher. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll play the curmudgeon on this and, there's just a whole lot of stuff going on on that page, and it, yeah, it, it just seems like on. for there me, is. it just I don't know. You know, 
it just seems like every time I get my brain around Facebook, because there's so many of these services I'm trying to get my brain around and understand, especially from a marketing standpoint, you know, how do you use these and what's the best way and what are the best practices? And, you know, my, the latest object of my desire is Pinterest, you know, so I'm diving in there and understanding that from a consumer and a marketer standpoint. How does it work? And then as soon as you get like used to something, you're like, OK, this is how it goes. You go back and it's different. You know? yeah. And I don't want to be like, okay, well, you know, change is bad, but still, it's like, you know, I feel like I'm walking on on shaky rocks all the time. Uh, you kids, get off my lawn! <laughs> and no, you can't have your ball back. <laughs> I know, I know. The world we live in. Sorry, I'll stop playing on your lawn. <laughs> hey, you know, just you know what I'm saying. It's just a lot of it's, it's like a deluge of stuff coming at us all the time. Anybody who's photographer or otherwise who is trying to market themselves, this is a a constant concern. But you know, the only answer is if you are on top of it. If you know, if you actually do take the time to stay on top of it, you have a big advantage over people that don't. And anybody that's listening to this podcast is probably already much further into the digital realm and the social network realm and that sort of thing than your average photographer. So all of our listeners should be well poised to suck business away from the you know, non-digital literate photographers. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. All right, uh, the next story that I want to chat about really quickly is Adobe again. So we talked, we've been talking about Adobe. They've been doing stuff for, actually, before we get to Adobe, I want to talk about this Arizona story. So, so Arizona is, they're debating, or actually, representative, what was her name? Uh, a representative, uh, Katie Hobbs. Representative Katie Hobbs says she knows this bill has little chance of succeeding, but she wanted to bring it to attention. And basically they're saying they want a new, there's a new bill up for debate that would require advertisers who alter photos. They add a disclaimer that states, quote, post-production techniques were made to alter the appearance in this advertisement. <laughs> so when using this product, similar results may not be achieved, end quote. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and you look at the picture, and of course, I'm looking at the. I was looking at the the link, and we'll link to this in the show notes. the uh, The person that they're showing is uh, what's that? What's the actress? <laughs> what's the actress's name that's on that page? Hold on, let me go to it right now. Her name, uh, Cameron, Cameron, Cameron Diaz. Diaz. Yeah, of course they're gonna like hack up Cameron Diaz because I think she should just carry Photoshop around in her purse. You know, honestly. Oh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, but I don't know. Like, where do you guys fall on this? I mean, Derek, do you think we've talked about this on the show ad nauseum over the years and how laws like this are just completely unenforceable? And but but with Representative Katie Hobbs taking the time to take up the time in our government to talk about this thing that she knows is going to fail. I mean, where where do you where do you fall on this? Well, I mean, I think. You just said it, as far as I'm concerned. Of all the things we have to deal with right now as a country, we're we're really dealing with this. So, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I we've got some we got some pretty big things going on. Uh, and you're right about I think also the the whole enforceable uh, side of it. And I, I don't I'm, I'm not sure. I, I mean I do think that that education is good. Buyer beware is good. I think that uh, you know photographers saying what they're doing is good and all that. But uh, this is a case where I think I'm going to be the curmudgeon, and I really don't like a whole lot of new laws in, in, in areas like this. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so I just soon 
not see it myself. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not the curmudgeon. I, I, I think you're part of yeah. the majority, you know. Yeah. Know. Except yeah. for Ron. I know Ron thinks every image should be stamped, photoshopped, right? Well, every image should be because every image is manipulated. That's kind of the ridiculousness <laughs> yeah. about this uh, about this law. I mean, I, I agree with Derek. You know, there, there are things that I appreciate the sentiment, and, and I get it, and I think it's a very valid thing to draw attention to. But I think this is absolutely the wrong way to go about it. I think it's, you know, kind of subverting a a legal process to use as an advertising medium. And, you know, she should just be, if she wants to pass a law, it should be a certain amount of funds are diverted to doing PSAs that explain what's going on here. And and like Derek said, make it an awareness campaign, not something like that, which is kind of silly. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Sarah... Um, Representative Katie Hobbs said part the second part of her the, her quote that said she she knows the bill has little chance of succeeding. The second part of it says she wants to bring to attention uh, or bring this to attention as part of a discussion of body image issues among young women. So, where do you fall on this? The whole idea that okay, we need to our young women in in the world don't understand that the image on the cover of this particular magazine has been altered and she may do something bad to herself to try to look like that image. Do you, do you think that's a problem? Um, it is a problem, but I mean, we're trying to really handle that problem in a lot of different ways. I, I think the Dove campaign was, was the first one to kind of address it mm-hmm. um, pu- publicly. And I think they did a really, really amazing job doing that but it's still what did they do i'm not familiar with that what 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 was the dove campaign the dove campaign was basically a commercial for for dove but um it was really just about empowering women and so so they took a woman and they showed a picture of her um that they had taken and then they showed it going through photoshop Mm -hmm. and then the image that came out on the other side and and showed up on a billboard so they showed the two images. It was like unbelievable. They like lengthened her neck and made her skinnier. And I mean, it was just like a totally different person when they were done with her. So it was, it was really fascinating to see that commercial. And, um, and I think a lot of people got some perspective from it. Um, cause a lot of times they don't, they didn't at least a few years ago understand how much could be done. Now every single wedding I go to, they're like, "It's cool if I don't smile, you'll just Photoshop it in, right?" Or, yeah. "Oh, you can just take <laughs> out the car that's right behind me." I'm sure. You know, I mean, it's kind of got everyone understands that you can do pretty much anything you want in Photoshop now. And really, the question comes in, and that's kind of where the legislation is coming from. Is like, I think the point that she's trying to make is that. You can't even tell when an image has been photoshopped to death or not. Like, for example, with wedding images now, you know, a lot of my, a lot of people are using liquify and making the bride skinnier. And I definitely have played around with that some this year and wondered, like, how true to form this is and how far do you take it? And how skinny does this girl want to look? Or is she fine with how she looks? And am I insulting her by by actually even doing liquify on her? You know, it's like, I can't, there's so many moral issues in that. How often that? do you get do you get often asked to do that sort of thing? And are you hearing a lot of other photographers are being asked to do that? Is it something that the customer is is driving, the client is driving, or is it something that certain photographers are actually sort of marketing as a service that they're using mm-hmm. as a competitive advantage? 
Um, it's a, that's a good question. I think it's in that gray area right now. Like I know some photographers who are actually doing it to the images and selling more prints because of it, mm. because you know, the bride's looks can hear and they love it. They don't like, actually, wow, I don't know what it is, but I look fantastic in this I shot. I look right? amazing <laughs> in that picture. Yeah, no, that's essentially how they're feeling. So we're selling like, um, beauty and love and, uh, and all of this stuff and the images need to look and make them feel, um, beautiful and amazing. And, and so it's kind of like another trick that's in the bag that you can sometimes use. And I definitely used it a lot more this year than I have in, in previous years. Um, but there's a whole bag a worm there. But like Just Sarah, like- when somebody when somebody's throwing a bag of thirty k at you to shoot a wedding, those pixels are theirs, right? So if they say, "Hey, make me look like Jim Carrey," you should make them look like Jim Carrey, right? And you would. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think. I think really when it comes down to making beautiful images, I want the brides to look and feel, look as beautiful as they, as they felt that day. If that's a little bit of pinch and grab here from how they're positioned or um, maybe even how the dress was pinching them in a certain way, then we've been doing that some this year, but I've definitely come into the moral issue within myself in which people like, do you do it with everyone? What if a bride, what if you think a girl is too skinny? Like to make her look more muscular, like <laughs> Photoshop it's a burger in your a, hand. Yeah, it's such a creative process that so I've just been doing it in an, in areas that I feel like it's distracting from the moment that I'm trying to put focus on. If that makes sense, that's yeah. when I'm using it. Yeah, I mean, from me, from my perspective, I see it as you know, on the one hand, it's a commercial product on a on in the side of commissioned photography right so whoever the client is whether it's a bride whether it's a magazine or whatever then whatever they want is what they want you know and it's it's art on that side but in the side of photojournalism of course as we say all the time on the show that's where the line is drawn if you're trying to represent reality now my, my girlfriend is a big fan of this uh the the artist adele and there was this big controversy around this uh i think there was she was on the cover of vogue or something and the picture that they put on vogue of the artist in no way looked like the real person <laughs> let's just say that you can look it up and, and see what the controversy was so where like derek I'll, I'll throw it over in your court in that case you know in that case we have a, a public personality that needs to look the best that she can but when represented to the public whoever manipulated the image for whatever reasons just decided to distort her from, from the person that she actually is. You, do you think that's right? Or is it, is it, you know, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I'm kind of on the fence. I really don't like it actually. Uh, and especially in, in cases like that. Uh, well, first of all, you know, just going back to, you know, even to when Sarah was talking and so forth as a photographer, it's just not something that I enjoy doing. Yeah, manipulating mean, I, people's image yeah no not really i just not, i mean i i came up 
through uh, journalism, and that's just the way I like it. And and I've had a lot of people talk to me, say the same thing to me that Sarah is saying. And I said, sure, it's one hundred twenty-five dollars an hour for Photoshop retouching, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we can do some of that. But there are certain things I won't do. And I what I always say when I have control over it. Now, wedding is much different than a lot of shooting I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of portrait shooting and things like that, and I have much more control over the lighting. So I, I just as soon do it with light as opposed to doing it post uh, with Photoshop. And, you know, you can do a lot with light in terms of, you know, how you make someone look a little thinner or, or make their face a little narrower or, or all that kind of stuff. And then getting to uh, magazine covers and stuff, uh, I really do feel like it's it's out of control. That doesn't mean that I want a law. Uh, I, I just would like... Uh, us collectively to maybe get a handle on this a little bit. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on. So speaking of the company that enables all this, Adobe. <laughs> <laughs> so Adobe, like I foreshadowed a few minutes ago, um, has announced and made available Photoshop Touch for the iPad. Now they um, they announced this, I believe it was at photo, the last Photoshop World, but it was only available for Android at the time, and now it is available for the iPod, or sorry, the iPad, and uh, it enables things such as layers and all this other cool stuff in there. So we went it, we went into it in depth in depth on the uh, the thisweekinphoto.com blog. So we've got a review up there if you want to check that out. But uh, just quickly, anybody have any thoughts on that? Has anybody in the in the crew played with it yet? No. Anybody? Bueller? I downloaded it, and I haven't played it with it yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah, same here. I'm guilty. I just I heard about it, and I downloaded it, and it's sitting in my to-do pile. So I guess, you know, next time we, uh, we come on the show, if there's something groundbreaking beyond the review about Adobe Photoshop Touch, then we'll talk about it. Otherwise, please check out that review. And if you, listener, have any comments on it, please comment on that post and let us know what you think. All right, folks, it is time for some listener Q&A. This is a segment when our guests answer questions that have come in from our Facebook or Google Plus pages. The first one is from Warren Verti, and it comes in via Facebook. Warren says, hey, all, how do I go about choosing a background setup? What are things to look for? What do I need to consider? Should I get a green screen? This is for a home studio in a standard-sized room. Um, what do you, who wants to take this? Derek? Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Um, I I wouldn't start with a green screen for sure. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of neat things you can do with a green screen, and you could buy virtual backdrops and put them in and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I do think it's it's fun to to physically work with your background. And so maybe, you know, I a lot of times I just show people get some old light stands, get some PVC, make yourself a, a cool frame. Get um, some 10 by 12 uh, muslins or uh, if you want to work with roll paper, uh, roll paper, uh, savage roll paper is not very expensive. And uh, get a nice little sweep going and, and have some fun physically working with the backdrop. You can you can do a lot of things. I would start with the standard ones uh, you know, that you can use a lot, the lighter, a light one and a dark one. But I, I would work with some physical stuff. And you could certainly rig something up that, that's uh, very easy to use, and especially at home. Now, now I know it, 
the fact that that Warren is asking about a green screen, Warren may be wondering, hey, why don't I just to save money? Why don't I just put a green screen back there and then I can shoot against any color that I possibly want? I can just change it in Photoshop later. What's wrong with that logic? Well, <laughs> there's uh, there's a couple things. Uh, one of the problems with uh, green screen in general, I think. Is and it depends on you know what you end up putting on the green screen and post, but the the direction of of light in whatever's going on in the green screen as to how the lighting is falling on your subject, and a lot of times people will get a mismatch there, and what happens is when the viewer looks at the photo, they go, ah, "There's something wrong with the photo. I can't really put my finger on it, but uh, it doesn't quite feel right," and I just think you're sort of vulnerable in uh, you know on, on things like mistakes like that whereas if you're working with a physical backdrop the you're going to get you know assuming that you're using soft light uh, close to the subject and you have a little distance between the subject and background you're going to get kind of these nice sort of soft shadows and 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 what happens there is also part of the overall photo and and i think it's it's more enjoyable and in the beginning uh, a lot safer to, to be very physical about it. And, yeah. and then maybe move into virtual for certain situations later if you want. All right. Yeah, I've, I've, I've shot a lot, of, a lot of green screen, obviously, working in the film industry doing visual effects. And, yeah, it's not, it's not magic. You, know, you have to light the green screen in the same way you light your foreground uh, and get an even lighting on it for it to be an effective thing to pull a key off of. Uh, and, and the issue of green spill, you know, the fact that that big green surface is going to be bouncing a whole bunch of green light onto your foreground is not trivial, and especially if you're in a smaller room, it's almost unavoidable. You're going to get that light completely wrapping around your foreground subject, uh, and, and then, yeah, once you decide what you want to put behind them, you know, it's not, the lighting has to match that. You can't just put somebody in a, you know, and that has a, a key light on the left side in front of a background where the sun is coming in from the right side or something, you know, which is, and you see it all the time. And it's you a classic. You see it a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a classic visual effects problem, which is why I have to, you know, you look at these visual effects shots and if you really know what to look for, you realize that somebody wasn't doing their job because it's exactly that kind of problem. So green screens are not, an easy thing to get really good quality out of. So, I mean, it's cool to get it. The nice thing is you can get something fairly cheap. Uh, and if it's something you want to get interested in doing, but it's definitely not, I, it wouldn't be my first choice even. And I know them very well. I would still start off with a, a neutral colored screen. And, and I think your point, Ron, about spill is super important because, I mean, people even run into that when they're shooting on green grass and so forth, not really realizing the influence of uh, the light bouncing up there. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, Ron, you want to go ahead and take question two? It's from David Barnas. Sure. David asks our Facebook page, I'm looking for a very strong portable light that can be backpacked into pitch black photo shoot situations. I would specifically be using this on urban explorations in abandoned rooms slash buildings in jet black and no light situations. Flashlight beams are too concentrated. I'm looking to diffuse the light to illuminate an entire room. Furthermore, I'd also be using it to illuminate caves and caves, tunnels, walk-in drains where there is absolutely no light to start with. Any suggestions? Um, I haven't done a whole lot of this kind of stuff. I've done a, a few little urban exploration things, and it's definitely kind of fun. But I don't, I'm not quite sure what the state of the art is in light. I mean, the nice thing that you can do with this is most of the time you're probably going to want to sit on a tripod uh, and sort of use it to gather a lot of ambient light, even if there's yeah. nothing in there. You don't have to have a super powerful light if you're on a tripod. Just set it up, and really, you can do some very cool light painting kind of stuff where you can 
take an existing light source and kind of move it around. I agree that your average flashlight is probably too concentrated, but you could either bring a bounce card with you, you know, one of those nice sort of fabric ones that kind of have the wire uh, framework around it that can pop open to be larger. So you could bounce off of that, even a diffuser for your flashlight, um, and, you know, kind of paint this stuff in. I've got, and, and these lights are getting really powerful now. I just bought a flashlight from a company called Phoenix, F-E-N-I-X. It's just immensely powerful LED light. Uh, and one of those has got a tremendous amount of light that you can still carry around. And if you bounce it around effectively, then you can get some really nice effects. And the nice thing about light painting with a sort of a wide open shutter or multiple exposures that you combine later is you can really start to tease, tease out a lot of detail in corners. You can get a really nice oblique lighting on a surface, which will really pop out the picture. Yeah. So that's probably the kind of thing I suggest. The other thing I would say, and if you decide to do this, please be very careful, but I've seen some really cool stuff where people take road flares into some of these abandoned tunnels mm. and uh, and use that as their their light source. It's it's pretty neat looking. I mean, even to the you know, not just having it as sort of an ambient light source, but having it as part of the, in the frame, uh, illuminating it. So something to consider as long as you're not in a highly flammable environment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that that could uh, that could end the shoot pretty quickly, right? Yeah, I suggest that I suggest that more for for caves than uh, than in you know, abandoned buildings. Put it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, Derek or Sarah, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, the LEDs, you know, they're they're getting they're getting brighter and, and more portable. I might want to look into that. Uh, Sarah, you saw the uh, those ice lights wandering around WPPI. What did you think of those? Did you? I mean, did you see those? I shouldn't assume that you did. No. Yeah, you should assume because they were walking around <laughs> everywhere. So, no, what were these? Of, they were they're ice lights. I. I it's um, is it uh? They're LEDs. They're hand hand holdable bright LED. Uh, like a like, like a light um, gun. It's Jared Jonas. I yeah, think. yeah. It was uh, Westcott. Uh, he teamed up with Westcott. Yeah. So um, I saw those. Yeah, I didn't get a good chance to like really look at them, but they look pretty interesting. I don't know if they light as much as this guy wants to light, but. Um, it was kind of more of a – I kind of en- envision it like – I don't know what you call those because um, I never use them, but they're done more in studio where they're they're basically just like that. But I think you plug them in usually in a uh-huh. studio setting. Yeah. They're like strip lights, I yeah. guess. Um, so they're kind of like that. It was like a wand and it would light – You know, pro- it was probably the size of like somebody's head, maybe a little uh, – a little bigger than somebody's head, so those were pretty. Those were pretty interesting. I I really prefer the. I mean, I haven't tried those, but I think the most powerful video light I found um, that I would suggest to him is maybe the Lowell um, Lowell Eye Light is a is a great video light and puts out a lot of light. And there's two versions. You can do one that has a dimmer on it, which can be really great in those kind of environments. Um, or you can do one that doesn't. And then, of course, you can get um, barn doors for it, you know, a lot of different diffusers and different different things that you can attach to it to only get light in certain areas if you want it or to disperse it even more and make it even softer. So those are those are kind of the most powerful versions of what I'd maybe suggest, but they're expensive. I mean, the light itself isn't that bad, but the battery pack that comes with it is expensive and um 
usually I think you can pick up both for around five, six hundred dollars. Mm. Um, so that's my version of expensive for a video light. I mean, LEDs are really inexpensive. If that's too heavy for you, um, the frise, I think it's a frise is how they say it. There's another one. It's a little bit smaller, also has a battery pack video light that might be something to take a look at. Or even my favorite, the little Sony handheld video lights that I take everywhere with me. They're, they're not going to light a room necessarily, though. They're, they're made more to light like a person inside a room. So those would be, those would be my suggestions in kind of, you know, the, the video light area. And you can find the Sony video light just by, Googling, Googling Sony video light and it's a, it's a little two up, um, two up light. There's two bulbs and it's about 20 Watts. Um, we can put a link to it in the show notes yeah, if you want. Yeah. yeah. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. I think the main thing that I'm hearing from, from all you guys is led is the way to go <laughs> for, for this stuff these days. Am, am I right it's, in that? It, it's yeah. Getting, it's cheap. It's and, getting there. Yeah. LED bright light, low power, right? Yeah, and carrying it around and, you know, having, and I mean, the batteries last a really long time. And of course, the LEDs themselves aren't going to burn out in your lifetime, probably. So, yeah. All right, folks, before we move on to my favorite part of the show, the picks of the week, where I um, usually end up spending a lot of money, um, we're going to give a nod to our other sponsors, Carbonite. This episode is brought to you by those folks. And basically, they ask the question, are your computer files backed up right now? And if they are, are they backed up automatically and continually? And more importantly, are they safely off-site away from a computer crash, a virus, fire, theft, or something like that? Basically, what they're saying, to be really protected, you need to you need online backup from Carbonite. And what Carbonite does is they back your files up automatically and continually. They're stored away from your location, so off-site. So if something happens to your house or natural disaster or whatever, your files are safe on the Carbonite servers. And then if you should have a computer disaster, it's easy to restore your backed up files. You just call them up and they'll, you can back up by, you know, plugging your uh, account into a new computer or they can send you a drive over, anything like that. So um, they give you access. You can access your backed up files from any computer, like I was saying. So you can, you know, say your your computer at home was compromised. You can go to a friend's house to access your files, or you can access using their smartphone or iPad app, which are both free. They offer unlimited backup for sixty bucks or fifty nine bucks, actually, a year. And you can start your free trial today at Carbonite.com, and if you use the offer code TWIP. TWIP, you'll get two bonus months if you decide to buy the service. That's Carbonite.com with the offer code TWIP for two bonus months. All right, it is time for the Pick of the Week segment. Remember, a pick can be anything as long as it is somehow related to photography. Sarah France, I'm going to throw it to you first. What is your Pick of the Week? Okay, so... um I have one that's kind of related to photography. I have two. I'll give you one that's related to photography and just one that I can't stop talking about because I'm in love with it so much. So um, I am tra- I travel quite a bit, obviously, and I'm always out and about. And communicating back with my studio and with people that are like common in my life becomes challenging because um, I don't want to be texting all the time and staring at my phone. So uh, anyways, I found a new iPhone app that I've been using like crazy and they have an Android version as well. So it's, it's called Hey Tell, 
H-E-Y-T-E-L-L. And it's just basically like kind of like texting but with your voice. So you don't actually talk into it and it writes it out. You act- you talk into it and it will audibly send it. So it's like a voice message and texting combined. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's so useful. At first I thought it just sounded stupid, but then I woke up and – the first thing I wanted to do was just like send a quick message to somebody and I didn't feel like texting. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to try the hate tell. Yeah. And now I'm totally addicted. And my studio manager and I use it all the time to stay in communication. So that sounds great. So a, now you can, you can, instead of typing LOL, you can actually laugh out loud and send that to somebody. You can. <laughs> it's so great. You can stay, stay connected. And if it's up and on, it'll keep the conversation going. So like if I'm not in a place where I can say something, I can like walk in the other room and record it really quick. And, you know, it, it lets you have the convenience of texting with with the voice messaging as well. So after saying that, I'll give you I'll give you a one that I picked up at, at WPPI <laughs> since okay. I wasn't really a photo related. I don't want to get in trouble. Yes. Yes. Um, so I'll give you a photo related as well. Uh, so. One of my, I, I'm always looking at albums and books and stuff, and of course, I definitely check that out at WPPI. And I still have not found anything quite like a company that I've been using for a couple of years. So I'm going to give um, a, sh- a my pickup of the week is going to be them. So Couture Book is it is kind of like because I'm a wedding photographer, we've been doing you know wedding albums, but a lot of my clients are are wanting to go uh, over a hundred sides on their albums mm-hmm. and couture book was kind of the, what really helped us um, create larger books for, our, for our clients. So they're thinner pages, but they're still like, you know, good thick stock to them and you can do really cool covers. So they're kind of the in between, between like a flush mount album and a photo book and you can do leather covers and all, all sorts oh, of cool endless, stuff. And- endless cover options. Yeah. I'm, I love those guys. You, know, you could, you could even, yeah. if you, I mean, I think they're still doing this right, Sarah, you could even provide your own cover material to them and say, you oh. know, say you went to Mexico and you like found some person up on a mountain somewhere that makes this one of a kind material and you want to use it for your 2013 line of books, you could get it and send it to Couture Book and they'll make your books out of that stuff. You know, it's Yeah. Uh, and like one of the cool things I love is they do, um, they've got like some leather books with like latches on them. So you can, they're great for boudoir books where you can like lock them, you know, mm-hmm. um, or you can just do a lot of really cool latches and boxes and stuff like that. And they're still like a coffee table book. And I've, I've delivered a couple of these to clients this year and they've just loved them. So I've been really excited about offering something unique and different and um, having my clients really be able to share so many images and keep so many images from their wedding. So um, they definitely stood out to me at this WPPI. So I thought I would share. All right, cool. Couture book and the Haytel iPhone book or iPhone app. We'll uh, we'll link yeah. to both of those in the show notes. Derek Story, what is your pick of the week? So uh, I have an iPhone app too, and uh, it's uh, well, it's actually an iOS app. It's uh, Epson iPrint, and it's funny that I hadn't run into this before. But you know, I have this. My fun printer is the R two thousand. That uh, 13 inch printer that's a Wi Fi printer. And uh, I just love that printer. I just have so much fun with it. And the iPrint uh, 
uh, app allows me not only to do the thing that you would think it you know it could do, which is take a shot with your iPhone and send it up or take a shot uh, off your photo stream and make a five by seven or eight by ten or whatever you want to do. It goes up to ten by twelve you can you can print on this, but it allows me to do other things like check the ink levels on the on the printer and just sort of it, it's like my my little uh, command center for it and uh it's it's really well done it, it works great it's free and if you have an epson wi-fi printer uh, you can have a lot of fun uh, with your i with your ipad or your iphone and and your printer very cool all right so uh, continuing the theme of derek likes physical prints right yeah yeah there's that well i like i like both sides of it i like it when there's that intersection between my uh my uh i ios devices and in a physical print i do very cool. All right. All right. Last but not least, or almost last but not least, Mr. Ron Brinkman, what's your pick of the week? Well, I see in the list that we both picked the same thing, Frederick. So. <laughs> yes, uh, we did. So like you are last first. but least then. <laughs> what's what's yes. our pick of the week, Ron? Our pick of the week uh, just came out today, I think, right? Yeah, uh, it was today. Yep. And it is a new camera app from our friends at SmugMug. It's called Camera Awesome. And it's pretty awesome, I gotta say. It is basically one of those all-in-one cameras that uh, is designed to kind of give somebody who knows what they're doing as much control as iOS allows you for, uh, you know, controlling a camera on your iPhone. Yeah. And it's just jam-packed with cool things that it can do. I mean, it does all the basic stuff extremely well. It's really well designed. It's got, but I mean, just all down to the level of detail. You know, like most apps, or a lot of apps will give you. You know, a horizon line on the uh, on the phone is sort of a guide, or you know, even a, a rule of thirds kind of a law. But they even have like you can overlay the golden spiral on it instead to get the, that kind of a compositional aid to it. Yeah. Um, they have a sort of a built-in auto optimizer that's called the Awesomeizer. That's just a single button press, but they have all of the standard sort of. Uh, transforms and color effects and that. There's a whole bunch of presets that uh, come with it. The way they're making them, I should say it's a free app. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, way it's they're completely making free. Them, yeah. yeah, completely free. So it's, you know, I'd, I'd say, I mean, I haven't done a direct head-to-head comparison, but if, for something like Camera Plus, which is, I think, a couple of bucks now, it seems to provide the same level of control. Um, what else is in there? I like it's got a um, uh, you know a timer for doing uh, not just a countdown timer, but even an intervalometer if you want to do time lapse uh, sequences of stuff. Yeah. Um, all the photo sharing you could possibly want, I think Facebook, Twitter, Flickr, Picasa. Um, you know, send stuff via email, uh, and of course to Smug Mug. Um, it's rich. I mean, there's just tons of stuff in there, and just really well designed, and, and video as well as still. So there's things that are focused specifically on video as well. Yeah, yeah. The One of the coolest features I like in there is the, and I think Camera Plus allows you to do this as well, but you can tap to select the focus focus point and select an entirely different exposure point than where right. the focus point is, which right. is which is really, really cool for uh, for an app that's in the in a phone like this. So, yeah, definitely check that out. You can uh, head over to www.awesomeize.com, awesomeize.com, and that's our landing page for the app, or you can just go to the, the iTunes store and, and or the app store and search for it so yeah and how much is it again run that'd be free free all right yeah free. check it out all right yeah i mean you know i see a lot of camera apps come by but this is one that sort of feels like they they did it right in terms of a lot of features but also kind of understanding what somebody who knows their way around a camera would want 
Yeah, so. yeah, and and the guys over at Smug Mug uh, contacted me today to make sure I knew about it, and I already knew about it before they contacted me. But they wanted to be sure that I knew how much time they put into this thing. So they've been yeah. they've been working on it for a few, I think, at least a year. You know, yeah. then that's a lot of that's a lot it of shows. blood, sweat, and tears I mean, in this app. Yeah. So. You know, the cool thing they did, too, that I, I really got to tip my hat to them, it doesn't just, you know, when you do the sharing part, it doesn't just connect a smug mug. You can, like Ron was saying, you can do Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Flickr, Picasa. I mean, you know, they, it's, a, it's an app that, uh, you know, that has smug mug's name on it, but they don't limit it. Yeah, and I you thought think, that, you'd think, that was cool. Yeah, you think coming out of Smug Mug, you're like, oh, great. It's gonna, I have to open up a Smug Mug account to be able to use this app. No, you're right, Derek. It works with everything. Yeah, this is awesome. All right. Well, cool. Thanks, guys. All right, and that's it for another episode of This Week in Photo. Sarah France, where can people go to uh, keep up with your antics? Um, you can always go to sarahfrance.com and check out my blog. And, of course, I'm on Facebook, Sarah France Photography. And Twitter at Sarah France, and my name is spelled S A R A, not with an H. And France, just like the country. All right, perfect. And Derek's story, where are you at online? Everything is at uh, com. Very cool. Ron Brinkman, where are you at? Uh, Twitter's probably still the best place. Just Ron Brinkman, R O N B R I N K M A N N. And like I said, if there are listeners out there that have iPhone apps in the store, I wouldn't mind picking their brains a little bit. So get in touch with me. Then the best way to do that is through Twitter? Yeah, share Twitter. You go to the This Week in Photo uh, website. There's contact info on there, too. Yes, there is. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check out thisweekinphoto.com, like Ron mentioned. And also, please support the show by leaving us a comment over on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, be sure to check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with the shows as soon as they are released. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at my new site, mediabytes.com. It's the marketing school for creatives. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.